0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everyone is having a blast. I am sorry for that short delay. I was trying to finish up one quick little response because I had to take care of a few little issues before I head out of here today. I will be, as soon as the show's over, jumping in my, my little van with my little granddaughters and Jetty And we're heading to the kids' park. Today it's a little overcast, so I think it'll be nice and cool for them. And we're going to go up there and just have a little bit of a morning where we can have fun. And it, it, life's supposed to be that way. You know, I I look back, and I mean, I'm going to segue for a second. So many times we hear the propaganda and the crap that is purported from stage or purported in a book or... Or or told to us by a preacher God first, family second, business third We always hear that And you know what? For the most part, ain't ever going to happen The majority of men especially And now it seems like men and women Because we're in two income families They always have to put work Ahead of just about everything Their ministry, their spiritual life, their family life And although I am far From the richest man in the world I have been blessed by God To be able to be in a two income family Where we both work from home And I've been able To take in in the last few weeks More than ever These Tuesdays and Thursday mornings So that all three of my girls My two teen girls and their mom Can hang out together Can do whatever schoolwork needs to be done Can do whatever writing needs to be done And they can just have a blast And to me, it doesn't matter. You know, I I may not ever be one of those guys on a stage that you all are reading about and talking about who's made millions of dollars. But I do know that I'm able to invest a priceless amount into these youngins. And to me, that's important. My daddy didn't get to do that. He had to bust his ass every day just go out there and try to make it. My mom in my early years did the same doggone thing. So to be able to to, to kind of break that a little bit is kind of cool. Even Dalton, my 21-year-old, has been blessed with a wife that's in the Coast Guard, so he gets to hang out with Dylan and just have a blast with him while he does his stuff on the Internet with me. I love that. So think about that as we're finishing out Ethics 101, What Every Leader Needs to Know. I thought this was interesting. How to develop the Midas touch. Think about that for a minute. What does the Midas touch mean to you? If you know about Greek mythology, you know that one of the kings had asked one of the gods to, to please allow everything that he touched to turn to gold. And that's where we get the Midas touch. But sadly, this king had a daughter that he just adored. She was his, his whole life. And after he was given this golden opportunity... He touched her and she turned to a statue of gold. Kind of sucks when you think about it, doesn't it? Midas touch is supposed to be something positive in life. We usually use it with businessmen who don't ever seem to go wrong. Everything they touch just turns to gold. Money rolls in. Stockholders are happy. But underneath, we learned that the Midas touch wasn't near as happy Eventually the king went back to the god and said, please take this away from me. It's not what I thought it would be. And the god told him to take his daughter, and both of them were to be submerged in a in a special lake, I think it was, or it's been a while, or, or river. And sure enough, once they were submerged, everything went back to normal. And yes, it's just mythology, but, but it's got a, a pretty deep meaning to it. For whatever reason, in America, I don't even see this in all other countries, but in America, it's all about the end dollar It's all about the end game. You don't see us with with small cafe shops and coffee shops where every night people come down and they socialize and they hang out. I mean, yeah, we got Starbucks. Do you realize in France and Italy and even Spain? they don't hoard up on food and stay in the house. they go buy fresh food every day they hang out, they communicate, they talk. It's about a life to them, not a lifestyle, but life in general. It's just the way they are. There's a good show that you can watch that will give you a good essence of this. It's called um, House Hunters International or Dream Home International, something like that on HGTV. And you get to go and, and see couples as they go to different countries, looking at the culture, hanging out, looking for what they want. Now, I think that's a good way to look at it because too many times what we see as the Midas touch sucks. B.C. Forbes, the founder of Forbes magazine, wrote this once. Are your desires purely selfish? Do your tastes run to a grand home, automobiles, fine clothes, an abundance of amusements, and so forth? If so, look around you at the people who have such things in superabundance. Are they any happier? Are they any happier, do you think, than you are? Are they any better morally? Are they any stronger physically? Are they any more liked by their friends than you are by yours? Matter of fact, Carnegie once said millionaires rarely smile. Think about that one. Now we could say billionaires rarely smile. John writes this Real wealth isn't found in what we acquire. Real wealth is not found in what we acquire. See, it's not what we get, it's what we give that makes us rich. When we give back to others, there's a universal law out there that we start to feel better about ourselves. You realize when you give to others, when you when you drive towards a cause that's bigger than you, that for whatever reason your neurological system doesn't allow you to be selfish because your focus is on other people? John writes this, I believe there is wealth that is greater than money, and it comes from how you interact with others. People who practice the golden rules treat people with dignity and respect and and can be content in the knowledge that they are living an ethical life. See, when your focus is on other people, When your focus is to dig as deep as you can, John calls this the 101% rule. He says, find the 1% that you can agree on and give it 100% of your efforts. I see this lived out by many of us, over 15,000 every year that have followed John Maxwell. We show up for a week at Catalyst, Baptists set by Pentecostals. Catholics set by, by evangelicals. Church of God sets by Methodist. Presbyterians are willing to set by atheists that show up. Whoa. And one week out of the year, the differences are set aside as men and women come together to say, what is a common cause that we can hang on to and grow from? I remember the first year Seth Godin, a known atheist, but a wonderful marketer, showed up at Catalyst, freaked people out. What's he doing here? What was even cooler was when he came back the second time and said, because of the way you guys treated me, as somebody that doesn't understand or believe the way you do, I realized that you're for real. See, that's the key here. When you treat other people the way you want to be treated... I always find it humorous. I'm going to segue into my faith for a minute. I always find it humorous how Christians want to go out there and tell everybody they're going to hell. Do you ever notice that? I mean, you, you know, you go out there and you see these guys on their soapbox, or, or you decide you don't want to go to church because somebody's going to tell you you're going to hell in a handbasket. You know, you heard that old saying, why would I go to church or all the hypocrites are there? Do you know in the Bible, Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. So I always wondered, okay, Jesus was treating people the way he wanted to be treated. He walked his walk. Can't we at least walk our walk? Can't we as businessmen and women, as moms and dads, as children even, can't we just walk our walk? What happens – now think about this. This is a little twist John puts on this, but think about this. What happens if we take the Midas touch and we focus it outward towards people – And our whole definition of the Midas touch is that every person we touch, their life will be changed for the good. That we will do everything we can to help them reach their golden opportunity, whatever that might be. That all of a sudden we take the focus off of us and put it on others. Instead of talking the propaganda, we start walking our walk. Let me talk to the men for a second. I'm going to take this out of business and put it dead in the relationship, because I screw this up all the time. My wife and I have already been in a tiff this morning. How's that for for authenticity? See, it's the hardest thing under the sun to treat your spouse the way you want to be treated. We all talk about unconditional love. We all talk about how how we would die for our spouse, and then we get pissed off if they say the wrong word. Maybe we need to to focus just a little bit more on how we want to be treated and start treating our spouse that way. Now, it's probably harder on this than, than I need to be, but think about that for a minute. I, I, could, I could touch on the women and spank them too, but in this case, it's just the men. Always keep that at the foremost of your mind. We're going to end this series today, but keep that at the front. We have to treat our spouse the way we want to be treated. See, there, if we don't do that, then it's not really a Midas touch. It's just pyrite, just fool's gold's all it is. See, I believe, as John writes, to get the highest level of living, you have to give to other people. H.E. Steiner said this, We shall have better business when everyone realizes that while it pays to invest money in their industries and to develop natural resources, it pays still higher dividends to improve mankind and to develop human resources. If you want to invest in people, here's some practices that John has written down that I think we should all follow. Write them down on a piece of paper. Number one, always treat people better than they treat you. Always treat people better than they treat you. Not one time, does, and I'm going to go back to my faith for a minute, but not one time in the Bible does it mention that Jesus called anybody that was trying to crucify him, that was testifying against him falsely, that was nailing the nails to the cross, not one time did he call them any bad names, did he say, you're a scumbucket. Nothing like that. And yet, how many times a day do you think it? How many times a day, whether you do it or not, you're driving down the road, somebody pisses you off, and you want to flip them off. You've already said, F U you in your mind, you just haven't said it out loud Probably kids in the car. But is that how you want to be treated? Because how many times have you done the same thing and probably didn't even realize it yourself? See, this is what you've got to think about. This is what it means. To have that, live by that golden rule and have Midas touch for other people. This is what it means to make a difference, to make a change. I only had one dad to look at and to follow. And he didn't get it right all the time. But he did something right for me. He would he would tell me how bad my attitude was. I was the one that was always getting in trouble. You know, I was the one that that made life miserable sometimes as a teenager for him. But there was one thing that he taught me, and that was unconditional love. It didn't matter how pissed off he got at my mom, she could do no wrong. Now, it wasn't that he it wasn't that he was blinded to the fact that she had her own quirks in life. But he believed in a commitment that he had made. And he knew how deeply his love went for her. And and that he, it wasn't that he said anything. He just lived it out for us. So even though there were days I'm sure he didn't like her, he lived his love for her. And I've carried that with me. And I thought, man, there, there, there isn't an alternative. That was a biblical principle. He lived out. I saw it. I decided to keep it. Now, there's some things he did that I didn't like, so I threw them away. But I love that one. Maybe that's why I've been married 24 years, when other people say, why the heck give it a shot? Just go out and do whatever you want. See, sometimes we got to take the high road. When you sign on the dotted line... When you make a commitment in business, when you make a promise to somebody else, then you've got to live it. The second principle we need to live by to to have the Midas touch, to live by the golden rule, is to walk the second mile. See, we can't just look at somebody, and when they fall down or when they disappoint us, when they don't live up to the expectations we have, we don't kick them in the ribs, throw them in the dirt. We need to walk that extra mile. Pick them back up and let's see if we can do this a little bit better. How many times did your children fall down before they could walk? How many times did you fall down on your bike before you could ride it without, no, without holding on to the handlebars? See, that's what it's about. You sure didn't get your presentation right the first time, probably, or the second or the third or the fourth. You got to focus. You've got to take it and do the best you can. Art Williams says, all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. The question you've got to ask yourself is, are you doing all you can do? Or are you got one of those dull, negative, disillusioned, crybaby attitudes. Poor me. It can't be that way. No matter how much life sucks, no matter how much you want to give up, where would we be today? Now, I know some of you don't don't believe like I do my faith, so I'm going to try to use something different for a second. But where would we be today if the forefathers had given up? Where would we have been today if they'd have said, oh, it ain't worth it? I mean, we're not talking about hoodlums. We're not talking about men that didn't have any money. You realize it took money to get here in the first place. This is This is important you got to analyze this and think about this. What would happen if you just go that second mile? What happens if you do your best and show others how to do their best? You pick that person up and you say, come on, we can do it again. See, this is what I think we should do. I think we should care more than others think is wise. I think we should be willing to risk more than others think is safe. I think we should dream more than others think is practical. I think we should expect more from others than they think is possible. And I think we should work more than others think is necessary. I stole those from John Maxwell. But that's what happens when you have that extra mile attitude. Dalton's called me on the phone every day because we're going into that those last few minutes this last couple of weeks as we prepare for catalyst he's flying in I'm driving up this year literally this year we will be in charge of the behind the scenes team the team that nobody gets to see the team that 15,000 men and women are sitting there having the most beautiful experience in their life and they don't know that there's a handful of men and women behind the scenes making sure that their experience is second to none. We thrive on that. That and the fact that Brad takes us out to dinner on Friday after the whole thing's over. But this is important. It's going that extra mile. It's pushing it beyond what most people think is even feasible to push it. See, that's the kicker. But most people don't. The mightiest touch. Number three, help people who can't help you. Now, I'm going to brag about my son for a minute. At 16 years old, he says, "Dad, I want to start the Gulf Coast Disaster Relief Team." And we hit the Gulf Coast, helping people that we will never know. We don't know their names. We'll never see them again. A couple of years ago, when a lady and her daughter were burned out of their duplex because of an arsonist, he said, "Dad, I want to. I want to start Guardian Angels." And we started collecting stuff for this family. That boy's mama did him right when she taught him to give to others that can't give back to you. Paige does this with our grandbabies. They can't give us anything back. See, this is what you have to do. I don't know where we get in this idea that we we have to get to give. The win-win, you know, that's, that's what it is. Everybody's got to win. Why? I bust my butt every day to give as much information to an industry that in most cases don't care. Distributors come and go in direct selling. Most of the time they don't even realize who we are. But we're making sure that we're fighting a battle, giving to people, showing all the sides of the coin that we can, whether we get paid or not. It's something that in our industry most people just don't understand. Every now and then, somebody gets it, and, and you know what? It's kind of funny because out of the blue, my PayPal account will go up 1000 thousand, fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred 1500 2500 Troy, you've helped me and my team so much. We just wanted to put a little bit in to help you fight the cause. It's amazing to me. But it's also beautiful because you know that you've touched somebody's life in a way and you didn't really ask for anything. you got to learn to help people who can't help you. Listen to this here, because this story alone says it all. It says during the Winter Olympics, 1964, the greatest bobsledder of all time was was Italy's uh, Eugenio Monti. I can't. I'm not. It, I'm not Italian. I'm Scotch Irish or something. But anyway, they were engaged in a two-man bobsled competition. The Italian team had a good time during the first run, and so did the British team. The British team was driven by Tony Nash. Following Montee's second run, he was in first place, and it looked as if his teammate might just win the gold as long as the British didn't surpass him. But as the British team began to prepare for their second and final run, they made a demoralizing discovery. During their first run, a bolt had broken off their rear axle, and they didn't have a replacement. They had no choice but to drop out. But the Italian, who was waiting at the bottom of the hill to see if his time would hold up, heard what had happened. And he quickly went over and removed the bolt from his sled, sent it back up the hill so that the British team could run. Not only did they run, but they won. They got the gold. He was criticized by his own people at home. And you know what he said? I didn't want to win from a technicality. I wanted to win because I was the best. And in this case, I was not the best. But he gave something up that some people said, but it cost you. But it didn't cost him. He just knew that he could help somebody else. D.L. Moody, one of my dad's favorites, says this. Do all the good that you can to all the people that you can in all the ways that you can for as long as you can. Let me say that again. Do all the good you can to all the people you can in all the ways you can for as long as you can. That's the key. Because when you do that, And you don't expect anything in return. You will start to realize that the value that you're adding in other people's lives will more than make up for any monetary issue that you might be thinking about. The fourth thing is do it right when it's natural to do wrong. Now, that's a big one right there. I'll give you an instance. One of the greatest communicators of all time and a hero of mine is Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan from the time early adulthood on hated communism. It was his one passion in life to to totally wipe out communism. When he became the president of the United States, he sent a letter to then the Russian leader saying let's get let's get together. Brezhnev didn't want anything to do with that. But Ronald Reagan didn't didn't let up at all. He didn't take those null, negative, disillusioned, Russian attitude. He just said and continued to say, tear down this wall. And in his lifetime, before he got dementia, he got to see the wall fall. Communism squashed and democracy of some sort take over in Russia. I thought that was pretty cool. John writes this, when you know you are strong, you can trust yourself to make the first move, the first appeal, a request or a plea. But when you fear you are weak or fear the world thinks you are weak, you are more inclined to make a great show of being strong and never write a personal letter asking for peace. Back then, we could have attacked just like today. But Ronald Reagan said, Let's just keep trying. Let's just keep trying, and he did it. The fifth thing, keep your promises even if they hurt. That's a big one there. Keep your promises even if they hurt. Dr. Pat Lynch recently published a journal of business ethics, and he asked more than 700 business people and graduates of business schools to rank their values in the workplace. Included in the addition to promise keeping were items such as Competency, work ethic, seniority, overcoming adversity. But what Lynch found so strange, disheartening in fact, was that keeping promises was at the bottom of everybody's list, no matter what their supervisory experience, their gender, or their religious background. The irony is that people expect other people to keep promises with them, but yet. It isn't important to them in business. See, it doesn't say keep the golden rule only in personal life. It says keep the golden rule, period. See, at the end of the day, you probably aren't going to name the five richest people in the world. You're not going to be able to name five of the last Heisman Trophy winners. You can't tell me the five best winners in the last five years of the uh, Miss America pageant. You probably don't know 10 of the Nobel Prize winners, even in your lifetime. You might be able to tell me a half a dozen Academy Award winners, but even those that you like probably didn't win an Academy Award. And I bet you can't name the last decade's World Series winners. But let me ask you this. Can you name three teachers that inspired you in life? Three friends that have helped you through a difficult period. Five people who have taught you something worthwhile. Three people who made you feel appreciated and special. Maybe five people you enjoy spending time with. And maybe a dozen heroes whose stories have inspired you. See, when you get right down to it, we remember those things that hit us in the heart. Those things that are most important by people that have lived the golden rule. Sadly, on the surface, we look at the money, we look at the riches, we look at what they have, and we think life would be better. I'm doing a study in network marketing because I've seen a trend of how many of the best women in this business go to the top and then end up in divorce somewhere along the way, and it just hurts me. That means men do the same thing. Folks, this has been a wonderful series. Ethics are so important that it all boils down to one thing, Treat others the way you want to be treated. To segue into this, tomorrow we will start another John Maxwell book, Success 101, What Every Leader Needs to Know. We're going to start by defining what is success. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back there with me tomorrow for RealMentorsRadio.com.